a playlist original. Hi, everyone. My name is Warda, and this is the Wellness Uprising. Today, I'm joined with Nadia Gilani, and she is the author of the book, The Yoga Manifesto. Now, I go some ways back, a couple of years back with Nadia. I met her first in 2020 with my work with Yoga in Color and her very passionate points of view that she had on Instagram. And it really resonated with me as to how the industry of yoga has been commercialized and changed and westernized. And as a Desi yoga teacher herself, obviously this came as, you know, very unsettling to her and to us trying to, us yoga teachers trying to teach the true meaning of yoga and what yoga really is about. So just to preface everything, lots of people think yoga is about flexibility, Lots of people think yoga is about burning calories. If it's not in a hot room and I'm not burning X amount of calories, it's not worth my time. And all these things is not really yoga. So Nadia, thank you so much for joining us. Where did we go wrong? Well, I think that's a really big question, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't think I can answer all of that in, um, in, in the podcast, but I think that um, it's... The main thing that I, I mean, I've addressed this in the book, but I think one of the key things is that the more the yoga has become popular, which is a really good thing, the more it's kind of sort of moved away from what it was originally intended for. Um, so wouldn't it be great if we could find a way for it to be popular and help more people, um, but also to kind of retain some of the essence of what it was meant to be about? And Because there's just so much of... Um, what I call yoga size um, around the world um, in my travels that I've seen and, and from just, you know, stuff that I've, just people tell me. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think things should change. And I think anyone who works in yoga or practices it as well has a responsibility to kind of think about what we can do. So tell us a little bit more about your book, The Yoga Manifesto. You've been working on that for probably more than a year, if I'm not mistaken. Just sort of give people a synopsis of what they can expect when they purchase the book yeah sure um the yoga manifesto is i mean there's a lot in it um i do manage to pack quite a lot in so i mean in simple terms the way that i describe it is that it's um about my relationship with yoga i started practicing about 25 years ago maybe a bit more when i was a teenager and i was in a, a teenager in quite a bad way i was dealing with lots of different personal problems and my mum introduced me to yoga as a way to kind of help me you know I've had kind of complicated relationship with yoga it's been a long time so it hasn't been plain sailing and my life hasn't been perfect since but the book is kind of about my relationship um the complicated relationship with yoga and then yoga's relationship with the world and then that's when I start looking at what I see as problems and then I you know sort of look at aspects of the problems that different problems in terms of like you know issues I feel that has happened with guru culture I look at sort of um sexism I look I mean because I, I think there's a big problem with um patriarchal side of things as well so it's not just the commercialization but of course I look at that I look at commercialization but also the bastardization with the watering down of yoga various other things um I also look at I think it's really important to think about the philosophy but they're not just kind of look at it in historical context but look about it look at it in the context of the modern world I'm very interested in philosophy and how it relates to the modern world I'm not so interested in going into the past and um, there are lots of people who are interested in that we should be practicing yoga in the way that it was practiced um, thousands of years ago I don't really care about that and that might be a bit harsh but I think that um, we live I live a modern life so I need um, the yoga to 
sort of work you know in my modern life and so I suppose that's that's kind of what it's about really and I suppose I started talking about some of the issues the book was already going on in the background I mean I hadn't started writing it but I knew what I wanted to say and then when the global pandemic um, the COVID pandemic happened in 2020 I was at home I'd lost a lot of work I didn't really know what to do myself and so I started sharing some of the ideas of, that were going to go in the book that have ended up in the book on Instagram to just see how they would land and that's when I started I think to realize that there was an audience for the book even though I hadn't written it so Instagram mm. kind of happened first but actually the book happened first really because all the stuff that I was going to say was there and I was just teasing bits of it out and mm. um, I was surprised I, I was I was just I took a risk because we were all in a really strange time weren't we and um I think I took a risk because I didn't think I wasn't sure how anyone would react and um happily there was lots of concern and agreement from people across the world and that's how we got in touch isn't it yeah I think also you know your videos that you made went viral and I think that's how we found you I mean it was literally it came up on our explore page and there was a lot of conversation around it and with the sentiments of this podcast being about debunking myths and bringing the truth around wellness and yoga is a big part of that you know what are the sort of the biggest sort of gripes that you have with the way yoga is portrayed in the west right now what is one of the biggest ones that you know really stands out for you and that will just kind of never sit right with you I think we all have that one thing but what would be your one thing I know for me it's the flexibility thing like I'll say that till the day I die probably like people telling me oh I'm not flexible enough to do yoga you know because they're so misled by what they see on Instagram Mm. I think that is such a difficult question I don't know if I can (laughs) I don't know if I can really pick one to be honest because now that I've written the book it's there's so much nuance to it and I think actually sometimes it's I don't know whether sort of coming out with a list of things like flexibility and, you know, things like that is kind of quite it. I mean, definitely the flexibility thing is an issue. I find um, one of the key things that I think that bothers me is, you know, the status that's kind of attached to being a yoga teacher. I don't know if that's true where you are, but it's kind of, it seems to be kind of going on in, in the Western world where it's kind of like people seem to, get quite caught up in their egos and think they're really Mm. special when they've done a yoga teacher training and then they go and teach yoga in whatever way they want to teach it and often it's you know quite what I describe as quite fluffy um, with loads of love and lights slogans and fancy activewear and all of that and for me it's the whole thing namaste is thrown in there and obviously that was the video that kind of particularly um, got shared particularly um, widely when I made a video about the misappropriation of I don't know if that's even a word but you know the fact that it shouldn't really be part of yoga and And that triggered a lot of people hey I think that triggered a lot of you know western teachers teaching that western style of yoga I think that got a lot of people's backs up against the wall out of all the content that you've posted and I've seen all your content I think that was the one that was both the most like kind of like (gasps) oh I use namaste kind of thing. I think it was really, I mean, firstly, everybody pronounces it wrong um, because it's not namaste, it's namaste. And it's a Mm. Hindu thing. And I know that because I'm South Asian, I'm not Hindu, but I grew up with 
my mum had friends from different faiths and you know I grew up knowing what that meant and you know it's uh, they're probably going to be people I know that there are people who would argue scholars maybe academics I mean I don't know I'm not an academic who are going to argue that there is some kind of link with yoga however tenuous it might be because they need to kind of stand things up I don't really care it's up to you if people want to kind of keep saying namaste and they want to keep saying it I don't really care but I had to kind of get it I don't want to be around when they're using it within the context of yoga I've only ever used it when I've said hello to people in India or where I live in the UK as a greeting out of respect it's like a salam alaikum which is something that I spent most of my life saying because I had a Muslim upbringing and um, it does have a beautiful meaning just like a salam alaikum does you know namaste has a lovely meaning too but it's used in the kind of daily context of greeting someone and it's kind of been given this kind of like really sort of huge heightened meaning and it's bastardized like in terms of like t-shirts and activewear and I just had enough and I was obviously quite fed up during the lockdown so I made this series of videos that were quite I suppose satire a bit piss takey funny people have told me um because I don't really I'm not really bothered about ranting doesn't really I find it really hard to listen to people when they're shouting although you could possibly say that I was ranting but I was kind of just trying to do it in a sort of jokey way and I think it did upset a lot of people and it really excited and made a lot of people really, I kind of sort of attracted a lot of people to me who liked what I was doing. And I, there were a lot of people who were repelled by me. Isn't that usually the case? I mean, when you are your authentic self, you're going to have people that are going to be repelled and then you're going to have your tribe that's going to naturally just gravitate to you. And that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. I, was qu- I wasn't quite expecting the response that I got from the Namaste one. I, I mean, I suppose I was, I was hopeful for people to be happy about what I'm saying because, you know, they recognised it and they thought, oh yeah, someone said it at last because I know South Asian teachers who felt in the UK who felt pressured to say Namaste in their classes. I just never have. I'm not saying blow my own trumpet and saying that I'm brilliant, but I came to teaching quite a bit later and I it was never something that was part of my own practice I don't really go to loads of blocking classes now I have my teachers and I practice on my own and that's it so I'm not really kind of confronted by it a lot um I was at a festival actually at the weekend with my mum that's going slightly off point but I'll mention that you know they had a little yoga session for people attending the festival in the morning um while we were all making our coffee my mum said oh do you want to and I said no thanks no I'm not I'm not going to do that and she said oh yeah you know you just might want to have a look and my mum's still catching up herself as well because I don't go there because I don't really there's no point because I'll go there something will happen not to resign myself something will happen that'll piss me off and I just you know I've got my practice I don't Mm. go to a yoga class with an anonymous teacher I'll go to a class if it's somebody I know or if my mate's teaching it or I want to support someone but I'm just at that point now so it's just better for me. There's no point in me putting myself in places where I'm going to get wound up and upset. I completely agree with you. To be absolutely honest, there are studios that I used to frequent. And after going on my own educational journey around yoga, and thanks to you and making me aware of things and then doing my own education as well, I also found certain spaces where I was okay to go to because I was ignorant about certain things that I no longer felt comfortable to go to. And I've also reached a point where I've stopped going to studios and I don't practice at studios because like you, there are certain things that I know is going to trigger me. And I don't feel that that's the kind of energy you need around you when you're trying to get into your practice. You know, you don't want to be feeling anxious or annoyed or irritated or 
you know, having these internal conversations with yourself because you're irritated. And also you don't want to be financially supporting studios like that when you know they're not aligned with your own principles and morals and, you know, your way of doing things. So I completely understand where you're coming from. But the question I want to ask you, I have seen a shift in you since you've written the book and it's come out. And I suppose it's perhaps a sense of relief and achievement. But I wanted to ask you directly, has the book changed you? Writing it, getting it all out, putting it out there, you know, giving birth to this baby now and it's there and it's out there and people are kind of loving it. Um, For the reviews that I've been reading online, has it changed you? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that I didn't, people always ask me how long it took for me to write. And actually, it didn't actually take me that long, although it's hard to really quantify because I did it in chunks. I wrote the first draft over a period of a few months then there was a big break while I was waiting for my editor to read it. And then I wrote the second draft over a period of a few months. And then there was, it took ages for the, you know. So publishing is a really long process. From, from the day that I got the book deal to the day that it came out is two years. And I mean, I sort of, the writing, I mean, I've never written a book before. And I, I've been a journalist like you. And a lot of people thought I'd find it, I don't know, this is quite strange, but a lot of people thought I'd find it really easy to write a book um, because, you know, writing is has been part of my life for so long. But writing a book is very different. I mean, there's loads of things. I mean, I can only speak to myself. There might be other journalists who found it easier. And obviously it's a memoir as well. So it's kind of part memoir and then part kind of, you know, looking out into the world at the state of play. So I, I mean, I had a lot of imposter syndrome in terms of, I had moments where I thought I wasn't going to make it. I'll be honest, you know, frankly, I, I had moments where I, it's, it's such a mammoth task, like I cannot even, and it's amazing as well, like it's it's the spiritual, there's so much kind of, um, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not making complete sense, but. You are the, making sense, don't worry, I'm just letting you talk, but you are making complete, because I, I get what you're saying, because um, I'm also thinking of writing something and it's the most daunting thing, so I get you, like you're, and then you tell yourself as well, you're a journalist. This should be easy. Why are you struggling? Why are you sitting in front of <laughs> and you kind of like hard on your harder on yourself because you this is supposed to be your profession. This is supposed to be your jam, right? We've been writing uh, well, all our careers. I, I think maybe some people are, but for me, I knew, I mean, I never really planned to write a book. This book kind of came about in a kind of very accidental, I don't know, maybe accidental, serendipitous, strange sort of way, because it happened very organically. I didn't want to write a book. I was always very scared of writing a book. I never thought I could do it. I've only ever written stories that are kind of the longest, the shortest is 300 words, new story. And the longest is probably about three and a half thousand words. This book has ended up being longer than it was meant to. My editors were fine with that. I happy to, I said I'd be happy to cut it down, but I think it's ended up being 85 to 90, probably coming up to 90,000 words. And it was meant to be 80. And that is a lot. You start losing sight of things. And, you know, I mean, it's, you've got so many, chapters it's unwieldy but I feel I think the thing that really sums up the way the experience for me I found it quite painful at times like really painful like pulling something out from the inside of me and then obviously once it's out it's a huge relief because you're just like this thing is going to stay in me and make me ill unless I get it out and I mentioned this in my acknowledgements but Lady Gaga said that writing I love her by the way and Lady Gaga once said that writing songs was like undergoing open heart surgery mm-hmm. and I really feel that and I think that's what happened to me it is when it, it hurts it hurts when you're writing from the inside of yourself because I wrote I didn't want to write an angry book I wanted to write a book that had hope and 
I wanted to, and I'm a very emotional writer, so I tend to write from um, inside myself in terms of like my gut feelings. I'm not very academic and it's the emotional stuff I have to say that I'm getting most of the feedback on, like the personal story, being a teenager, having all these problems and then going through yoga, being an adult and then having more problems and talking about it from the emotional point of view. And then also as a teacher, having the vulnerability, like I think a lot of teachers have started sharing with me since reading the book, you know, the vulnerability you feel when you're out there you feel exposed, you don't really know if you can do it. After training, there isn't really a lot of aftercare. People don't really guide you. I mean, I don't know about your experience, but I mean, it's just not a lot of um, jobs aren't always advertised. Like you have to go out and seek things. You don't really know quite what you're doing. And for me, the double whammy was, I just felt completely like I was drowning in this kind of strange landscape. I'd been slightly oblivious to, or I'd seen creeping up. I noticed that about you. I'm glad you said that. I think before you wrote this book in 2020, you were very sassy online. Like your videos were cool. They were funny, but they were very poignant and to the point. But I feel like you've kind of, and forgive me if I'm using the word wrong, but you've kind of like softened in a sense. Like this process has been somehow cathartic for you because you've kind of like moved full circle from being annoyed, angry, sassy to this person who's kind of like, this is my point of view. If you agree with it, you agree with it. If you don't, you don't. But this is how I feel. I'm not going to fight with anyone. Because, I mean, you you faced a lot of trolls online as well. And I mean, that is taxing in itself. Yeah, I, I, I'll take that. I, I, I totally agree with you. I actually use that word myself. I mean, I, feel, I really feel the softening. But I think that's for a lot of reasons. I think because I've written this book and I feel content now, I just think, okay, I've said my piece. I've said it in a, in a way where I, you know, it's serious. You know, I'm quite serious about it. Like the videos were made for Instagram, but the writing is, is for the book. And, you know, it's quite serious in parts. I mean, I'd, it's quite sad. It's poignant. It's funny. And very serious as well because I'm talking about things that I think are serious but yeah I have softened and part of that was because the exposure as well um partly the softening has happened because I don't need to be shouting anymore because I've said it and also be because I've needed to kind of step back a little bit because the exposure has been quite big and it, it when it came out you know there was a lot of media and there was a lot of um dms and things and there's lovely as it's been I'm not used to that level of exposure and it happened very quickly and so I still say like love getting messages and I love staying in touch with people I just had to kind of you know learn how to deal with it and learn how to manage it and kind of I do it at certain times of day and I kind of wanted to let the book speak for itself really and then having conversations with you like doing podcasts and sort of doing public events is a nicer way to kind of do the talking now um rather you know I can't reply to all the messages because I get so many but it is so lovely that people send them to me and I've had emails as well from people saying that they've read things in the books that have kind of made them feel that they can speak up and and it means so it's so wonderful I really actually maybe naively didn't know that it, this book would help people and I suppose as what it's a wonderful I think initially I had to write it for myself and it's really wonderful that it's kind of it's, it's helping people and it's kind of like you know people have said that they've been giving it to other people and you know that they feel that they're not alone that they can go and speak up now or that they can go and ask things or that they can go or even like on a personal level some of the things where I've had mental health issues you know people are feeling like they can go and speak to a doctor now and they're going to mm. go and ask for help because they feel worthy of that so mm. yeah I have I have softened I've softened but also I've been through a lot of stuff you know and a lot mm. of it's in the well but I've been through a lot of stuff in the past few years personally and publicly the trolling 
is I've got zero tolerance now, but I was very naive again, like the trolling happened and then trolling it turned into proper bullying. Like I was getting rape threats, death threats, properly nasty stuff. I'm not made for this. I don't no, know about- No one is, no one is. No woman should be ever, um, you know, be subjected to threats like that. No woman, no matter how strong you are, should ever be subjected to that. And the fact that you're a yoga teacher and potentially these people- trolling you and making these threats are from our yoga community is even more disturbing because that goes completely flies in the face of what yoga is. In my well, opinion. I suppose just, 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 just to tack on that. I mean, one of the things, I mean, I, I got two camps of yeah, um, abuse. I got a lot of trolling from um, in the comments from uh, white yoga teachers usually. And then there was a situation where I wrote, I would, I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't, you know, I don't really like the word controversial because I don't think I am controversial. But people said, you know, that I was being controversial when I started, when I wrote a critical piece on Instagram about the Indian Prime Minister around International Yoga Day. Yes, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I did it the first year I did it. Nothing really happened apart from loads of support. The second year I did it, I was getting hundreds and hundreds. I mean, probably in excess of 600 DMs and um, comments Jeez. of people just throwing stuff at me. And it was mainly in, mainly people in India fundamentalists who were really upset about the um about the Modi thing and probably you know right-wing Hindutva supporters but the thing that with the yoga teachers the white yoga teachers that's interesting is that I was attacked quite a lot and this is probably quite amused I mean it amused me I mean I suppose you could laugh at it or think about it but they started using yoga philosophy against me like saying that I was being violent so not observing the tenet of ahimsa, which is mm. non-violent. Which is kind of gaslighting in a sense. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, at that time I had quite, I was being quite cocky and quite gobby and I didn't, I was very upset that people were saying these things. But then I was had a very retaliation kind of approach then. I'm a bit wiser now. And like you said, you know, I am softer. So if I see stuff like that, I just delete it or I block people. And I'm very happy to say that. Back then I was a bit like, is it free speech to block people? I was very confused. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm. And the Ahimsa thing kind of, makes me laugh now because I sort of think you know I've used this um in terms of um I was talking to somebody the other day about you know civil rights in America and the um how that was active non-violence and in the part in during in South Africa also like there's been so many resist um movements that have, to, that have been about resistance that have been non-violent but they were about standing up and pushing against yes and, you know, in South, in India as well, like, you know, with Gandhi, you know, um, everybody always, white people included, you know, they're always talking about how great Gandhi was. Well, he wasn't settling for what was going on in the British Empire. So for the fact that I'm speaking up and calling out stuff that's uncomfortable for you, um, and I have to say, I try to do it pretty politely. I think I'm quite polite. I'm not just, you know, shouting and whatever. Like I try to do it and I'm, in an articulate way sometimes you know I'm making fun of it but people get really upset when it's yoga and it's kind of like it's really interesting I can talk about racism which I talk about a lot and I can talk about you know cultural appropriation which does upset some people but as soon as I start talking about those things within the context of yoga it really seems to upset people like it's there's something really sort of and I find that really disturbing I do think that's got to do with also the misunderstanding about what yoga really is 
And the fact that most white people think yoga is love and light. So how can you bring politics into yoga? It doesn't make sense. And I love, I've seen posts from Susanna Barbataki. She will often say on a post, um, you know, ahimsa and, you know, yoga is about speaking about injustice. It's about speaking about it. It's about calling out things that you see as being unjust. That's part of, that is doing the yoga off the mat. And I think because most yoga teachers and white yoga teachers have such a, I don't know if the word remedial, like very innocent kind of very one-dimensional idea of what yoga is. It's breathing, it's poses, it's me feeling calmer in my body, getting rid of stress and stretching. That's what it is. So now if you tell them, yeah, but it's about speaking about injustice. It's about living your life in a way that's authentic. Then they're like, huh, the two don't go together. And I feel like, you know, um, Zaki and I will often say this with yoga and color. We'll say there are asana teachers and then there are yoga teachers. So you need to decide where you are. And unfortunately, what we found is a lot of teachers are asana teachers. They're not yoga teachers. And there's, there's a big differentiation. And then I think that's where you and teachers like you who speak out about the deeper philosophy about doing the yoga it gets these teachers up against the wall because if you're an asana teacher, this is not going to compute for you what you're saying. It's too high a grade. And I mean, I might be sounding like a real arrogant ass saying that, but I actually don't care because this is my podcast and I'm just going to say what I like. <laughs> Definitely. I think, I think actually something you just said has, has got me thinking about, I think you're right. Yeah, there's asana teachers and then there's yoga teachers. But I think also one of the issues is that often with the yoga teachers, they've got a very fixed idea of what yoga is. Yes. Is what you've said about, you know, yoga being about, ahimsa being about speaking up, being about injustice now. Yeah, sure. And, and I'm not taking back my words, but I'm just saying that, you know, that's one interpretation. I think, and going into the sort of the love and light thing. I mean, for me, the love and light thing, I don't know how that's come about, but it's often because, you know, yoga is seen as this fluffy thing that we, it's the self, hashtag self-care type of thing, right? And I think one of the key things that's missing, or one of the problems is the yoga teachers, or the asana teachers rather, have got a very fixed idea of what yoga is, rather than having a curious mind about what yoga is now you know i've done these video series of videos on on the instagram and i've done i've done I've written about it in the book now my thoughts on the philosophy change quite frequently because well not frequently i mean every so often you know i'll be thinking about it because i like thinking about it and i change like you talked about me softening you know i change so my views change so i don't actually personally say i don't have a prescription i don't go out and say that yoga is that ahimsa is about speaking up or injustice because I don't want to limit it mm. but I think I like to have questions about what it could mean and obviously it does mean towards yourself but a lot of people I've flipped a lot of this around because like a lot of people talk about what we're not doing you know there's other limbs as well that are about non-greed now I don't really know it might be not taking more than my fair share it might mean paying people fairly if I'm responsible for that it's kind of thinking about going back to the ahimsa it's thinking about being actively kindness is a big one isn't it everybody talks about kindness on social media if, if you don't do anything be kind and that's a nice thing to say but it's it's kind of like what does that look like mm -hmm. you know I'm interested in kind of thinking and I don't think it's helpful necessarily and I'm not having it this is not attacking anybody who said this but I don't think it's necessarily helpful to rebrand ahimsa as speaking up about injustice I was talking to somebody mm. a few months ago who was saying yoga is about activism and I thought okay, that's her view of it. It's not something that I would say because I don't want yoga, to, I don't want it to be 
it's a personal thing. My yoga practice is a very personal thing. There are these things that are there for guidance. You can look at it as a list of commandments if you want to. I don't. I don't think they were meant to be a list of 10 commandments or like the, you know. I definitely agree with you. I do think that it's not necessarily the way I interpret it is that these teachers that are saying this are just trying to like extend people's understanding of the word. They're not saying it's just activism or it's just asana or it's just this. It's saying it could be this. It could include this. It could include that. It depends on you, but don't limit yourself to it just being love and light, breath work and stretching because it's more than that. And it is up to you to do your, your own um, personal exploration and education and continued education as to what this practice really is because the more it's like a rabbit hole the more you go down the deeper it goes you know like so and that's I suppose why it's a a lifelong practice you never stop learning about it you never stop understanding and learning more for sure um you know as long as you keep wanting to be curious and haven't got Mm. a fixed yeah and like I say I don't I'm not being a party pooper or trying to be a stickler about this but I do I completely hear what you're saying that you know people are probably saying you know yoga is activism conscious Mm. activism you know what you want to call it that's one thing it can be but I I'm not yeah. sure still I'm on the fence about that because yeah. it it's if you boil it down early civilizations when they when yoga came about and I'm not an academic but I have done you know I, I do know this and I've written out in the book is that early civilizations like all the faiths about later early civilizations were grappling with the meaning of life I'm really, really making this very simplistic. They were grappling with the meaning of life, our purpose on the earth and relationship with the universe. And yoga came about as a kind of, you know, way to make sense of that and understand ourselves in relationship to the world. I don't see really activism really involved in that. It's a very, very personal spiritual thing. I think if anything, it's a bit reductive to say that yoga is activism. But again, I'm not saying people should not Mm. say it. Up to them, I don't say it because yoga is a vast big thing. And I think as soon as we start saying, oh, it's this, you know, if anything, I think people who are saying things like that are almost trying to kind of make it a soundbitey, digestible thing mm-hmm. and move, maybe move it, maybe the pendulum has swung that way because we want to move it away from the love and light thing. I mean, I came up with a term called engaged yoga, which I use in the book, which was inspired by the late Vietnamese monk Thich Nhat Hanh, who was a huge inspiration to me. And he talks about engaged Buddhism. So he was a Zen Buddhist and um, Buddhism that isn't engaged in the world is not real Buddhism. And I feel mm. the same way about yoga. So I use engaged yoga because I, you know, we can't all be activists, mm. but that doesn't mean we can't all practice yoga. Mm. Do you, is it, am I making it complicated? Ab- I don't no, know. no, no, you're not at all. Because when I was, you know, a student, I also studied Um, I was interested in Buddhism and I studied it a little bit further and I get what you're saying. I like that comparison because the way yoga, well, Buddhism is seen as, oh, you meditate, you practice compassion. But I was left with the question, how does that relate to the rest of the world? How am I making an impact in that way? And with the same token with yoga, it's only going to make sense if you're engaged with it and you kind of making it make sense to your life right now and I think that's an it's an exciting place to be and I think the the intention behind this podcast was to get people thinking this particular episode um, was to get people thinking about yoga and getting on their mat yes enjoy your practice get on your mat do your asana do the breathing Um, you know uh, Satguru said in his book as well um, the the inner engineering the yogi's guide to, to joy 
He said that whether you come to your mat just for the asana, it's going to change you in some way, whether you intended it or not in a deeper way. So we don't want to complicate it for you if you're listening to this. We're just trying to expand your mind into doing your own self-education, your own self-exploration and understand that what you see on Instagram is like literally, if you're looking at it, an analogy of a cake, it's only the cherry on top. It's not the cake itself. There's so much more to yoga than what you see on Instagram. And if you want a starting point, a great starting point would be Nadia Gilani's book, The Yoga Manifesto. It is available in South Africa. It's available at exclusive books. It's an amazing read. It's exciting. I'm super proud of you because I know I've, I kind of watched you from a distance as you went through this process. And I remember you mentioning it to me in 2020 that you were you know, getting ready to do this. And I see the book is behind you. I mean, people can't see it. They're listening to it. There's two different colors. I know we've got the red version. Is there a difference between the blue and the red? No, the blue version is the proof version, which had a few mistakes in it, but um, I like looking at it because I it's just pretty. like the color. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty color. <laughs> okay, so the Yoga Manifesto, it's available at exclusive books. Nadia Gilani is a yoga teacher. Go follow her on Instagram. Her handle is the Yoga Dissident. Is that correct? The Yoga Dissident. Yeah, yeah, go follow her. You'll learn a lot more. I love those little videos you've been making, Yoga in 60 Seconds. It's lovely little bite sizes that um, of little videos she's made around different aspects of yoga, the philosophy, everything. Um, and it's just really to get to spark your interest. At the end of the day, you've got to go do the work. If you're listening to this, at the end of the day, we, no one can spoon feed you yoga. You need to go do the work yourself and read up and educate yourself and create your own understanding around it. Because like we said, we had a lovely, robust debate here about different aspects of how we see yoga, yoga philosophy. It will change. It will change for both of us probably over the next 10 years. We might change We might change our complete point of view again. And that's okay. You can change your point of view with yoga. Nadia, is there any closing words you want to leave us with? Um, anything you want to say? It's been a joy and a pleasure talking to you. I always love talking to you. I guess I'd just like to say that, you know, asana is really important to me. So I, you know, often people talk about how um, yoga is about more than just asana. Um, so I'm not, I just want to make it clear that I'm not here having a go at anyone who loves the postures because I don't think I would have stuck with the practice if the postures didn't exist. I love them and I need them. So, um, yeah, I think, um, the postures is the gateway and for many of us. So, you know, if you've come into yoga, you're not doing anything wrong. If you've come into discovering yoga through the postures, that's how I found it. Um, but just being aware that you know there's more that you can discover it's exciting you know it's not um you're not doing anything wrong if you're only focusing on the postures like start that and then it, like I'm just talking to people who are new to the practice and just know that there's so much more out there that you can learn and there's no rush this is a life's work and I've been practicing for such a long time and there's still stuff that I just don't even know mm -hmm. we're constantly changing and the practice keeps changing yeah so uh, enjoy enjoy your practice do the postures and um Stay By the book. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Nadia. It was so awesome to speak to you. I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point. Hopefully you're thinking about the next book. I don't know, just celebrating this one first. We'll give you a couple of years off. We'll give you a year or two off. And then <laughs> perhaps, perhaps not, we'll get another book. I'm some ideas, but I think... Um... 
Yeah, I think um, I need a bit of time to just kind of, I think there's more mileage in this one. I'm still talking. No, I think you should celebrate this one. I think you, you've deserved a rest. You've deserved a moment to sort of bask in this, you know, in this greatness, this baby that you've created with your, the yoga manifesto. Um, mm. And yeah, connect with your readers, connect with your following. Um yeah, I know you always say that you're surprised at how many people like are so impressed with you and love you and love what you talk about. But you really shouldn't be because it resonates with so many people. Um, you, there's a whole army of people that just love your work. I'm one of them. Fangirling okay. a little bit. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me.